Welcome to the podcast that teaches you how to transform your life and your business. Here is your host, Rick Hyland, and this is CI for Life. Okay, welcome to another Continuous Improvement for Life podcast. My special guest and my friend today is Connor DeLynn, uh, all the way from Draper, Utah. Connor, welcome to the podcast. Rick, good morning. It's good to be here. Thanks for having me on. Oh, excited. I know you just got back from Peru and some travels, and, and I did a podcast on on your podcast uh, a couple of months ago or a couple of weeks ago, and so I'm excited to have you kind of uh, uh, where... Uh, millennial in the middle meets continuous improvement. And Connor and I are going to talk about a couple topics in the news today. But Connor, why don't you start with telling us a little bit about your background and your podcast and everything you got going on? Yeah, well, uh, you know, like you said, my name is Connor Delin. Uh, I my podcast that I started mid last year in the middle of 2020, and obviously, I think 2020 for a lot of people was an awakening. It's a year that we will remember and look back on forever with the coronavirus, the pandemic that took place, the call for social justice reform with the death of George Floyd. And then, of course, that all happens in an election year, an election that a lot of us will remember for a long time. And, you know, it, it was a time for me where I think I made this decision of, okay, well, you can sit back as a spectator and just watch all of this happen. Or like I think most people do in the world, they kind of ignore it or try to turn it off. Or you can step up and speak out and try to make a difference. And that was a decision I made. So, I mean, to kind of give you a little bit of my background, uh, I, at a very young age, have been most comfortable on stage. And it was actually one of my first careers as a professional speaker. I spoke for a, you know investment training company where I was on the road weekly. And I had the chance by 26 years old to speak in 47 of 50 states and 10 plus countries, you know, to a quarter million people. And through those experiences, I got to see our nation. I got to, you know, there's no doubt. I grew up in Utah. I am a product of the bubble, right? And getting outside the bubble for a minute and seeing different cultures, different backgrounds, how much diversity we have just within individual states, let alone our huge yeah. country in the world. And I love history. I am a history buff. That is uh, that is what I typically speak on. I love to tie historical. I view it as stories, not as dates and figures. These are real people that were faced with adversity and had difficult challenges they went through and how they responded. And I feel that it is our job to retell those stories and to remember their legacy and to learn from it and build on that. And for me, the kicker was when I saw, all right, if are, are we really going to you know, erase history? Are we not going to listen to each other? Are we just going to set up camps in polarized extremes? And I said, no, I think most of ourselves find ourselves somewhere in the middle. I think there's more common ground. We're more alike than we are different. And so, I mean, honestly, Rick, I took my speaking background, but I didn't have an experience in podcasting. Like that wasn't my world. I bought this microphone that you see here today and I just put out an episode. Um, it, it actually kind of started, I went to the July 4th Mount Rushmore event last year, okay. the fireworks show. And I mean, 
came home from that with some patriotic juices flowing after watching F-16s fly over Mount Rushmore. And I had no clue what the response would be. I threw it out there and it's it has been so cool to see people from all sorts of different backgrounds, all sides of the political aisle and ages come together. And here we are now, 60 episodes later. 60. This is, yeah, this has become something I've focused a lot more on. And I feel like we're kind of a part of this middle movement that has a little momentum. So millennial in the middle, 60 episodes, and I know you get a lot of downloads on them, but kind of your your idea is to find the middle ground on, on many of the hot topics in current news and, and of historical context, but also kind of current context as well. Is that kind of the, exactly. the sweet spot you're pulling there? Yeah. You know, I think in today's environment, the loudest voices are always the most extreme. Yeah. And so what that leads to is I think people don't feel like they have a home. They don't know what to say because they don't want to offend. I think most people have good intentions. And so with that, I said, okay, well, let's let's be an example here of people that are, you know, kind of on this quest for common ground. Like yeah. we're we're searching for sanity in a pretty insane world at the moment. And uh, you know, and my backdrop to do that is we all have different personal experiences. So I've brought a lot of, you know, very interesting guests on the show with different backgrounds and perspectives and the value of listening, gaining more empathy and understanding for others. And then the other perspective we learn from is history. When you look at history in a different lens, all of a sudden it explains, you know, how did we get here and why does that matter? Yeah. So let's, so let's pick, we've, Connor and I have picked three topics here to kind of give an illustration of the middle and of Connor's view on a few, and we're going to end with a current event, but the first two we want to tackle is the cancel culture of which you've mentioned a couple of times, and then the idea of a race history. So why don't we start with the first one, Connor, and give us a sample of kind of some of your thoughts around the cancel culture and what's going on today there. Yeah. Well, and I think part of our conversation of why I thought this was a good, con uh, a good place to start on your podcast is, you know, one, I've read your book. I love your book. Live my purpose. I see it in the background right yeah, there. Yeah. I mean, live your purpose, right? <laughs> Thanks, <there>. brother. <laughs> and, uh, and one of the cool things I'll tell you, you know, I guess as a side note, before we jump into that, like I went through the process of thinking through my purpose, spending, you know, not seeing it as, okay, just think about it and never come up with it, but actually being given a, a task to do that. Um, I'll tell you the thing I thought was the most brilliant of it all is starting with contemplating death. Yeah. I think we're pretty, we're scared of death, right? But I think the only reason we'd be scared of death is because maybe we're not too excited about the path that we're on currently and the life that we're living and asking yourself that question of, what do I want people to say about me at my funeral, right? And I think to me that ties into this whole like cancel culture environment where I think, you know, what you talk about is continuous improvement for life is something that we have to open ourselves up to personally that, you know, that is our goal to always be getting better, to always have things that we're working on and know that it's never something that we've accomplished. But we also have to give that that grace to others where you know if we believe for ourselves that we're always improving we're always getting better and we hopefully give up, cut ourselves some slack when we make mistakes 
are we doing the same for those, you know, that we come in contact with on a day-to-day basis or those that are in the news? And I think, I think our society right now, like we've gotten rid of the three strike policy, like it's one strike, you're out. And yeah. And I think it, it robs us of learning experiences it robs us of opportunities to listen to each other, to develop empathy. Empathy, and uh, you know, I think when we quickly can drop uh, one thing from someone's past that they did wrong, and so that now is going to put into question every anything they ever do after that. I think that's exactly against the philosophy of continuous yeah. improvement. Yeah, I like your idea there that there's many paths to success or best life or continuous improvement and that we should respect those paths. You know, just recently I've had a lot of guests on that they've got different philosophies on how to accomplish goals, which is great. We're all striving for to do something, but it might be different than the way you do it or I do it. And to have that respect for each other uh, is super important. While we're on purpose, and before we leave this, and that was a nice weave in to, to purpose sure. and, and cancel culture and the whole thing. So <laughs> do you mind sharing some of the ideas that you came up with? I mean, it wasn't just to do a great podcast. You had some really good contemplative ideas. Uh, I know it was, you don't have to share all of it if you're not comfortable, but do you, do you mind sharing a couple of ideas that you came up with? Yeah. Uh, you know, first off, I mean, like I said, going through that process, I think for me, it started with verbs, like what are the verbs that I want to, that I want to spend my life, the things doing right. And then I think the second piece of that then became, well, who who do I want to be? Right. Like how how do I want to be remembered? Who am I? Obviously our lives are more than the things that we accomplish or the things that we do. How do I want to do it? And so I think as I put together my purpose statement, I kind of broke it down into three little segments that can roll together. And I think I see it as more of a, you know, who I want to be, what I want to do and and how I want to do it, like how I want to live. And so, I mean, yeah, I'll, I'll read it for you. I, I got it right under that awesome. 50 word I, mark, I which looking at it. Okay. I mean, you'll find as a podcaster and you know, too, like we can talk all day long. The problem is how do we keep something to 50 words or 20 minutes? So that was my issue. Okay. But uh, it, it was this, I will walk uprightly before those who have come before me, those who will come after and those I interact with every day. I will uplift, inform and unify. I will enjoy life, learn from experiences, open to all that is put in my path, and I will be filled with energy, love, and enthusiasm. Wow, there's so much good stuff in there. But if I, I'm just thinking about your podcast, Uplift, Inform, and Unify, and you're doing that through finding the middle and the common ground, if, if you will. So yeah, well done. And But I know that's for your greater you. life as well. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Okay, let's jump back into some of the issues of the day. This idea of the uh, let's erase history. What are some of your thoughts about the common ground or the middle there? Sure. You know, it's interesting, kind of what sparked my whole concept for the podcast in the first place. I just mentioned I went to the July 4th event at Mount Rushmore. And, and, you know, I I, it was an incredible day, right? Just the the positive vibes that were there, the feeling in the crowd. And I, I came home from this event and it was crazy because 
we'd had this great day. Everything was fun. Like there, there was no incident that I saw in the middle of riots and protesting. Like, I think I saw two people on the way driving up that were holding the sign that was, you know, just about something totally different. I, I'm driving home from the event. And I'm going through just checking my like Apple news like I would seeing the headlines. One of the first headlines I saw was Donald Trump's July 4th event riddled with controversy, almost stopped by protester by uh, by riot riots. And in the last part was and a speech that incited violence. And I sat there and I'm like, wait, 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 like I was there. What, what are you talking about? Like, I saw that, that this event wasn't That's disrupted by protesters. Like there wasn't, it wasn't violent there. I didn't see the mob. Where were they? And it all of a sudden, like, so there was this initial moment of like, I mean, one, I, I, I don't like the word fake news. And of course, Donald Trump has put that into, likes it. Uh, uh, yes, American conversation. But I, I think for me, what we all can agree on, no matter what side of the aisle we're on, that we don't we can't necessarily trust the stories that are always told to us in the way that they are told to us right that and this is both sides of the aisle right like right. you can watch the same speech or the same event and depending on what channel you're on you're going to be told it, it, how it went in a total totally different so way true. yeah and i think it makes us as americans feel like uh, well, who knows what's happening? We don't want to be involved or we feel like we're not getting the full story. So we never look for the full story. Right. And I made a, I made a promise to myself that day. I'm like, okay, if I want to know how a speech went, just listen to the speech. I think so often we get our news by someone's breakdown of someone else's response and what they said and, and you know all of a sudden it's it's lost really what happened there and i come home and i i make a post with some pictures of mount rushmore f-16s flying over and i make this comment and this is in the middle of the like take down monuments you know george washington was a slave owner thomas jefferson was a slave owner cancel these guys erase history i make a post on my facebook that is as calm as you can get, right? I've had an amazing time at July 4th. I love this country. I've been patriotic from the time I can remember. I know that these men weren't perfect, but I am grateful for what they did in laying the foundation for a nation that you know allows us the opportunities we have today. I mean, not controversial. And all of a sudden, it was a Sunday morning when I put it up, and I've gone like 10 minutes. And all of a sudden, I, I look back at my phone, and my phone's blown up. Mm. on this post good or bad or both uh, well one of the very first comments was someone that i hadn't seen in years was like a friend from my freshman year of college um who basically took this opportunity to call me a racist to go after me for supporting this and just this whole message to me about how author and I mean, she even used the line, Connor, I thought more of you. Oh, and no, not that line, the guilt trip line. Yeah. yeah. And I immediately reread my post like, oh, what did I say? Did I mess up? Like, did I put something in there? And I read it and I'm like, nothing was there. Well, then here was the crazy part. I then had friends of mine that came to my defense, thinkingly, 
And now on my uplifting Facebook post on a Sunday morning, I have names being called. They're coming at each other. Like I have my friends that don't know each other connections now having this heated political debate, not listening to each other on my post. And so I all of a sudden had this decision, like, what, what do I just ignore it? Do I turn the comment section off? Do I start deleting their con- comments? And what I did instead is I basically spoke directly to the person who'd made this first comment. Okay. By the way, there are way a majority of positive as opposed to negative, okay. but what do we all do? We focus on the negative. Oh, for sure. <laughs> and, and so, and so I respond to her like, Hey, I'm so sorry. You feel that way. Like, here's my backing for this. Here's why I love history. I, I make this argument, you know, basically there. And we actually have a pretty positive conversation in an mm. unheated way. I lowered the temperature. And what was interesting is I then that day, I, I kid you not, had 50 plus private messages sent to me from people saying, wow, I just read through every comment in that feed. I'm so impressed with how you handled that. Well done. Like we need more of this. And a light bulb clicked. Like, you know, w- with an understanding of history, with an understanding of this, like I, I got to jump in. Oh, so you hadn't started the podcast yet. This is how no. the podcast started. No, this is a week before the podcast. Okay. And all of a sudden, like this Facebook post for me was just this small instance uh, in my personal life of, you know, what am I going to do? Not talk about how I love America anymore. Right. I, I refuse to do that. I- I'm not going to be on the side of George Washington's a bad guy here. Sorry. Like I understand history is complicated, but And so that's where I jumped in. And what's so cool is, uh, you know, I've had a lot of conversations on the show now about race and Black Lives Matter. And gun control. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, issues that are are tough to find a middle on. And I know I'm winning when I have my most liberal listeners and my most conservative listeners, and they love the same episode. Yeah. And it happens all the time. Yeah. Yeah, I love the way you're trying to find the common ground on the big issues of gun control and race, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and everything that you're tackling. So what about this idea? Let's just go back to that race history and yeah. this idea that we look at you know, presentism and we, we evaluate history through today's lens and we judge them by that. Is What's your views on that? Is that fair? What's the right way to, you know, there was things that went wrong with the founding fathers, yet they did things that were great. You know, how do you rationalize that in your own mind? Yeah. I mean, that's a great question. I think to be fair first, I think a problem we have as society is we tend, uh, our brains are constantly trying to make sense of the world. Yeah. And the world is really complicated. So what do we try to do? We simplify and ways we simplify are we put labels on people. We try to put each other in groups. And when it comes to history, it's true. We like to know who the good guys are yeah, who's and right who the bad who's guys are, right? Yeah. I mean, history is written by the victors. That is well known. But we, we're more comfortable under trying to understand history from this lens that we take in of who's good, who's bad, who's right, who's wrong. And in order to make people good, I think what we often do is we ignore their shortcomings or their faults. And we, we in a way, we, we put these people on a pedestal. Yeah. And I mean- For example, the founding fathers, like you could make the argument of Mount Rushmore is literally carving these faces into stone and defying them in a way. Immortality, right, yeah. Yes, and I don't think that is good 
for the conversation, because here's why. If we look at Abraham Lincoln as a God who had special powers, who is just like had this destined for greatness and was able to do this, this, and that never made a mistake. And he is honest, infallible Abe. Then we look today and we go, well, it's too bad. We don't have an Abraham Lincoln because man, our life's really, our world's really messed up today, but we don't have leaders of the past. I disagree with that. I think if we look and say, you know what? Abraham Lincoln really struggled with the concept of slavery that was tearing our nation apart. Right. If you read about Abraham Lincoln, he had one desire and it was to unify people. It was to keep our country together while at the same time he knew slavery was morally wrong. But he also, I mean, in his time, Abraham Lincoln wasn't popular because the abolitionists, he wasn't strong enough against slavery for them. And the South, I mean, the moment he got he got elected president, they seceded from the union. Yeah. They hated Speaking him that of a much. guy in the middle. Yeah. Being yes. Yeah. I mean, I think Abraham Lincoln is a fantastic example of someone that grew over time, that learned, that tried to figure out like the issue of the day that was literally pulling the nation apart. And if we recognize that he wasn't perfect, that he did make mistakes, that he improved over time, yeah. go read his debates in the Lincoln-Douglas debates in the 50s compared to him by the end of the Civil War in 65, it's a different tune. Yeah. And we should celebrate that because if I all of a sudden feel, hey, I'm kind of like Abraham Lincoln, not me personally, but all of us, Right. Maybe we are torn on certain things. Maybe our goal is to bring people together. And the founding fathers, like, they wrote a constitution that we still live with today. They came with different ideas, different backgrounds, heated, heated debate. And they accomplished something. They did something by coming to the middle. So what can we learn from that today and how can we do it? They continuously improved in the past. Why can't we continuously improve right. now? Right. Yeah, you're right. When we we put them up on pedestals, we then set them up for when we do find mistakes or faults, then you know we're all crushed and, and they're canceled, if you will. So yeah, that's a great point. And thank you so much for on these big issues for trying to find the common ground. Cause you're th- I think you're right. You turn on TV and you're gonna see polar opposites. And I think that's why your podcast and your views are so popular is trying to find the common ground, the middle, if you will. So let's end with a uh, current event. You're so good at keeping what's in the news this week. So here we are at the end of June, 2021. (laughs) You put me on the spot, all right. Yeah. So what's something in current events today that you can, that you want to speak out on and find the common ground on? All right. Well, around the we're around the July Fourth time, it's a time of patriotic feel. You know, here we are, actually, the year anniversary of that story I just told. But uh, the Olympics are coming up. They're a year delayed, right? Okay, and yep. yeah, and I think I think the Olympics presents like just the perfect, healthy amount of nationalism, right? Uh, you know, it's okay to cheer for your country and doing it in a way that you know the the Olympic message is trying to unify the world in sport and coming together. But of course, 
and this is no shock with history as well. Like the Olympics are always times of controversy too. Yeah. And I mean, so what I've seen all over my social feed in the last couple of days has been, you know, the Olympic trials and all of a sudden we're going to have this question again of the national anthem being played when someone wins a gold medal. And, and there's the picture that probably went, uh, that went all throughout social media of, you know, the three people on the podium. And of course they're all Americans because these are the trials. But the national anthem is playing and the gold medalist and the silver medalist are both hand on their heart, you know, while the national anthem is being performed. And, uh, you know, the person that won the bronze medal is looking away in disgust. And the quote was that she was pissed that the national anthem was played. Right. Mm. So, all right. A story like this happens. And what do we immediately do? Whose side are you on? (laughs) <laughs> Who's the good guy? Who's the bad guy? Yeah. Are you pro-national anthem? Are you anti-national anthem? Oh, do Black Lives Matter or do they not? Like all of a sudden this issue becomes about that. We want to simplify. We want to pick sides. We want to label. And, and what I try to do is like, okay, well, sit back and, and look at this first. So the first thing that we need to do, and this would be, you know, if I'm going to now tie into these labels, those on the right, cool your jets for just a minute right? Before we're talking about how mad we are at this person, how disrespectful and what that flag means, let's take the chance to listen. Let's have some empathy and let's realize there is a percentage of people in our country right now that feel their nation doesn't represent them, that the national anthem brings about fear, disappointment, and doesn't bring about those feelings of pride and patriotism that others might feel. So rather than telling them why why they're wrong for feeling that way, no one's ever wrong for feeling the way they feel about something. Let's ask why, right? Like, why is there a group that doesn't feel in our country right now represented by the stars and stripes? What can we do then to listen to that, to be better, to allow ourselves to improve. And sometimes continuous improvement is hard because we have to look ourselves in the mirror, right? Right. And sometimes we don't want to learn those truths. We'd rather be right all the time. So that to me is step one. And then two, then from the other side, I would look at this and I would go, well, why do we we perform the national anthem at, at national, at sporting events? Why do we perform it at games? Like most people don't know that. You just, we've always done it. And so all of a sudden, what do I do? I actually did this in an episode last year because this has been an issue for a while of kneeling for the national anthem, especially in the NBA playoffs last year. And the first time the national anthem really came to a sporting event being played was in the 1918 World Series. Was that right? The Chicago Cubs versus the Boston Red Sox. And now here's why history is so important. That date, 1918, okay, that doesn't mean anything to us. Well, where was the world in 1918? Uh, America had just entered World War One. World War One, yeah. This was the first time that our nation had taken part in a global war. Like America had had this mindset of we are protected by these two oceans on both sides of us, so we're going to stay out of all this conflict that's going on in Europe. We'll stay to ourselves, and all of a sudden we were now in this war, and. 
what was crazy at this event, and there's there's people like I've read all these articles about this game. It was uh, it was the first game in the World Series, 1918, and it was a rainy day in Chicago. It was cold. The crowd was not into it. The Cubs were playing lousy, the home team, and there was this moment for the crowd of like, here we are watching a baseball game, and our boys are overseas fighting for freedom. Our boys are overseas like getting shot down and the news is about how many, what the death toll is that day. And here we are trying to enjoy America's pastime of baseball and it didn't feel the same. Well, guess what? You know, back in these old school ballparks, there were live bands that played the music throughout the game during the seventh inning, the seventh inning stretch where the crowd stands up. That's always been a part of American tradition. What did they play? Well, they played the star spangled banner. Mm. Played the national anthem. Cool. And one of the players, one of the Chicago Cubs players who had been in the Navy, came out of the dugout because he just saw the song was playing, came out of the dugout. He held his bat over his shoulder and stood at attention to the flag that was in the outfield. All of his team followed suit, did the same thing. Then the opposing team, the Boston Red Sox, they didn't take their break for seventh inning stretch. They stood at attention while the national anthem was being played. And all of a sudden, this lousy, rainy day was filled with this pride. Like, I get the chills talking about this moment. Great story. And they then played it at every game throughout the rest of that World Series. And then slowly that became something that we do at sporting events. Uh, now, it, it, does that have a role in 2021? I, I don't know. I don't have an opinion on that. That could, be, that could be debated. But I would also then, in the same way I would ask, you know, why does this national anthem bring about those feelings of negativity for you? Then the flip side is, well, why does the national anthem bring about positive feelings for those that are recognizing, like they were in 1918, those that are representing our country in the line of battle. And I think to me where I'd end, you know, with this whole podcast today is, well, do you know what those lyrics of the national anthem mean? Do you know the story behind that? Do you know that two weeks before those words were penned, our Capitol building was burned? That Washington, D.C. was taken over by the enemy? You know, what do we know about the War of 1812 besides the fact that it took place in 1812? Probably not that much, right? And, you know, if we think about, you know, Francis Scott Key penned the lyrics to the Star Spangled Banner. He did it while he was on board an enemy ship trying to work out a prisoner exchange for these prisoners that had been taken in the War of 1812 by the British. And while he's there negotiating this this exchange, he goes with the white flag aboard this ship. He hears their war plans. And two weeks after they had taken over the Capitol building, they were ready to make their final blow. And in Baltimore, the the, uh, port of Baltimore, they were going to just bomb the heck out of Fort McHenry. That was their plan. And they knew he knew the plan, so they couldn't let him go. They kept him on the ship as a prisoner of war, and they were going to bomb Fort McHenry all through the night. Now, once Americans saw that this was going to happen, what did they do? They turned all their lights off in the city. It was a complete blackout in the town of Baltimore so that the British didn't know where to fire off their guns from all of these enemy ships that were in the harbor. And what do they do all night long? They bombard Fort McHenry. 
the only light. Think about the lyrics. We're from the rocket's red glare and the bombs bursting in air. Francis Scott Key is sitting on the ship watching this. And the question of him and these prisoners on the ship is, we're not making it through this night. This dark night where all they are hearing is cannon fire, bomb fire, and rocket fire throughout the night. Like, is America going to be America when the sun comes up? And all of a sudden, he pens that by dawn's early light, as the sun is coming up, what do they notice? That the flag is still there. And my favorite thing about the national anthem It does not end. The final line of the national anthem does not end with an exclamation point. It does not end with a period. It is not a statement. It is a question. And I think this ties right into this continuous improvement. Here's the question. Does that star-spangled banner, does that flag still wave over the land of the free and the home of the brave? When we play that song, that's the question. And I think to me... Francis Scott Key opened the door for us of continuous improvement. That to me is what the Star Spangled Banner reminds me of. Are we moving forward as a country? Is our flag still there? Are we still remembering those that came before us and trying to build on their legacy to be better? That's the question. That's why I stand for the national anthem. That's why it gives me the chills to tell these stories. It's amazing what history can do and how we can learn from it today. Mm, well said. Great tie-in, great ending, great conclusion. Love the summary there. So I hope the listeners will find Connor uh, Delin, D-E-H-L-I-N. Find you him on Instagram and, Instagram and Facebook. And then look for on whatever you stream your podcasts on, Millennial in the Middle. And you'll find more of Connor's insights and how he is uplifting, informing, and unifying. So Connor, well done. Thanks for joining me today. 